What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how this show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, and the list goes on. I will then spend time with your questions and try to respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to grow in holiness. However, the disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. And every now and then my advice might not be good for you. So if it's not helpful for you to grow in virtue, I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I've said. However, if it does help you to grow in holiness, but it's difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ so that God can give you the graces that you may need to to fulfill the demands of discipleship. Uh, if you're first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at citrapress.com. You can also uh, send me critiques and comments as well. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats and share us on your social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. This helps other people find out about the show. You can also pre-order my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration at ascensionpress.com. And as I've been speaking over the past month, we uh, had that, that thing where you could text in 33777 to win a chance to win a copy of the book. And our winner is Lulu Estrada. Lulu Estrada, congratulations. I hope you enjoy the book. We will be sending that to you soon. And so uh, you hit me up as well after you pray with the book and let me know if it's helpful for you in your relationship with Christ in the context of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. I also want to really encourage all of you, my listeners, to send me Lenten-themed questions. As you know, Ordinary Season is about to come to an end, and really soon, Lent is right around the corner. And so I want to be able to answer some questions about Lent before Lent uh, for next month. On today's show, it's all about Valentine's Day. This one goes out for all the lovers. Uh, Can we get some uh, romantic music playing real quick? As the music plays, I'm going to be sipping on my coffee right now, so the music can continue to play. Ah, so good. Mm. I'm grateful for my coffee. So on today's show, our Valentine's Day theme questions would be about contraception in marriage. And just by the way, disclaimer, parents, um, if you are listening to the podcast today with children, there is a parental advisory disclaimer I want to put on today's show. We'll be discussing uh, some very intimate details about marriage and family life that may or may not be appropriate for your kids to hear. So I want to invite you to listen to the show first, and then you discern as parents if it's okay for them to listen to the show as well. But on today's show, we're going to be talking about contraception in marriage. Uh, We're going to talk about um, oral sex in marriage. And we're also going to be talking about people who are engaged and preparing to enter into the sacrament of marriage who have tried their very best to remain chaste uh, and before and uh, celibate before marriage, and uh, but they've fallen. They've fallen in chastity and in um, celibacy. And so that's our topics for today. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. All right. My glory story uh, this week is 
uh, twofold. Uh, first of all, my glory story is that we finally got our ultrasound machine at the Full of Grace Cafe. As many of you have known, uh, at the cafe we do a lot of really cool things. Our parishioners do everything. Um, I just show up and hang out, but uh, they they cook meals twice a week, uh, Tuesday supper, Thursday lunch. We have a food pantry Monday through Friday. We have the coffee shop Monday through Friday. We do praise and worship. We do small group Bible studies. We have counselors and lawyers, and we do taxes. And I mean, just all these amazing, beautiful things. Uh, human resource um, directors come and accompany people in finding jobs, and we pray with people and do haircuts and diapers and blessing bags and homeless showers and et cetera. The list goes on and on. But anyways, long story short. Uh, and after school tutoring, shout out to my tutors. Uh, but we have also, uh, we've done creating fertility care uh, meetings in there. Uh, we have a full-time nurse who is a creating fertility care specialist. She's my family life director coordinator, Brandy. And so uh, she walks with couples with natural family planning and um, who are struggling with endometriosis or cysts on their ovaries or irregular cycles, um, infertility issues. Um, and so we have also promoted in, uh, that we would have a, an ultrasound machine. And so we've, we've had it, but it hasn't been on our campus available to us yet. But through the gift of the awesome Women's New Life Center who we collaborate with. Uh, we finally have our ultrasound machine so we can uh, very soon begin to walk with women who are in crisis pregnancy situations. So I'm super grateful for that. So that's the first part of my glory story. Second part of my glory story is, is Valentine's Day is right around the corner and I'm so excited. I'm so excited because on Valentine's Day, I'm going to get to uh, wake up in the morning and, and celebrate the sacrifice of the Mass, which is so beautiful. And then after Mass, I'm going to spend an hour with Jesus, just He and I, one-on-one, apart from the world. And I might have a candle lit, right? Well, obviously, there's going to be the candle lit, the sanctuary candle. Uh, but I mean, I might have like an extra candle lit that has a scent to it that helps me to pray, like incense. And I might have my coffee, probably, definitely the Word of God and my rosary. And uh, and if I have with me the pocket guide to adoration, I'm going to have that in there. And I'm probably going to sing some songs to Jesus because it's Valentine's Day. And so he's like the love of my life. And so I'm going to probably sing to him. That's one of the, my favorite things about having a chapel in my rectory is... When I do adoration in other places, uh, when I go visit Jesus in the tabernacle and other places, sometimes I'm not by myself. Other people are there. Obviously, the angels and saints are always there. But I love, and I love when people are there because it's consoling to Jesus' heart that people come to adore him. But at the same time, I'm selfish, and sometimes I just want to be the only one who's in there with Jesus. Because when I'm with Jesus alone, he and I, I like to sing to him. I, I love to sing when I pray. And especially like for Valentine's Day, I'm probably going to sing him a few love songs, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is that you've done to me, but it's something or something about something, Jesus. Whatever it is that you do when you do what you do to me, it's a feeling I something, Jesus. But my heart starts beating triple times with thoughts of loving you on my mind. Mm. I get so weak in the knees, I can hardly speak. I lose all control. If something takes over me, it's amazing, so amazing. Jesus, I love you. All right. So, anyways, I like to sing Jesus songs, and uh, but whenever people come into chapels, or if I'm just with the 
the Lord in the tabernacle, it's not really appropriate to sing to him out loud because that could be distracting for other people. So I am so excited to to sing some songs to the love of my life and to remind him of how we fell in love. Well, he always loved me, but how I responded to his love, to him choosing me, and just sit with the Lord and look at him and be with him. And then after that, I get to go to spiritual direction, uh, which is going to be great. I look forward to that as well. And then that night, I'm going to get to go spend time with the seminarians at Notre Dame Seminary uh, at their preschool, uh, their priest school, not preschool. Uh, and uh, we're going to do a evening prayer together. And after evening prayer, I'm going to give a little homily, uh, a homilet on uh, how to heal the racial divide in the Catholic Church in America and how to make disciples of all nations. And then we're going to do a dinner after with a Q&A. So I'm looking forward to spending my Valentine's Day with uh, the seminarians and with Jesus. And then the next day we have our women's retreat here at Holy Rosary, which is going to be fun on Saturday. Uh, we have Sister Tracy Duga coming down, and I got to hear the testimonies of some of my parishioners who are giving um, some some of the presentations, and it's going to be amazing. Like I really cannot wait to see what God does uh, this upcoming week. So that's my glory story is ultrasound machines, and time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, spiritual direction, even prayer at the seminarians, and then retreating with the ladies in my parish. All right, before we get into the show, we got some feedback I want to share. Our follow-up comes up from Tony. Tony. Uh, Tony, doom, 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 Tony. Uh, yeah, so Tony writes this. Hey, my name is Tony. I'm emailing you from the south suburbs of Chicago, Chi-Town. Shout out to Kanye West and the Jesus movement. Uh, Jesus is the king of kings. So anyways, back to you, Tony. It's probably much warmer down there by you in Louisiana. Actually, you know what? It's probably warmer, but like today is kind of cool, bro. I wanted to give a little listener feedback on a question that was on your latest podcast about excommunication from the Catholic Church. I was very intrigued and interested in your answer because the process, meaning of, and finality of excommunication is something that has always confused me as well. Even being raised a cradle Catholic and now going into my late 30s, there's always something to learn, and your podcast has been a great resource for me. I was always under the impression that excommunication was final, and as the writer of this question stated, pretty much a condemnation to hell. That thought always confused me. I was never aware of the true meaning behind excommunication as a call to repentance and reform until I heard you explain it in easy-to-understand terms. It all comes back to love. Yeah, man. Love. There's so many things I've got to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how. Because there's a possibility you look at me differently. Uh, anyways, love. So it all comes back to love and willing the best for someone else. I see now why some bishops use this tool for the hope that people will come back into full communion with the church. Thank you so much for the spiritual fruit of your podcast and keep up the great work. You are changing lives. My prayers are with you and your parish. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony, so much. Uh, please be sure to pray for the women in my parish on Saturday when they go on retreat with Sister Tracy Duga. All right. So now let's jump into our questions for today's show. First question comes in from Sarah. Sarah. 
Sarah is your first name. So Sarah writes this. Thank you for your podcast. It's been a great help to me. My husband and I have been married for 18 years. We're now in our early 40s. We have three wonderful kids, four, six, and eight. We're both Catholic, but experience our faith differently. One thing we've never agreed on is NFP, natural family planning, and contraception. When we first got married, I was trained and spent years charting and following my cycle using the symptothermal method. Since that time, we have always abstained during my fertile period, but when we have sex, my husband will still use a condom to avoid pregnancy. So I've basically been doing NFP on my own. He's a good man and has his own journey with the Lord, but this has caused me so much pain and guilt. We've always attended weekly mass together and with the children, and we do night prayers with the kids every night. I also attend daily mass when I can and regular reconciliation. My husband and I pray together sometimes, but it's not a daily habit. I pray a lot. I have kept bringing this to the Lord in prayer and kept up a dialogue with my husband. I bring it to reconciliation and the reality is he just doesn't want any more children. And a big part of that now is because I become very unwell when pregnant and can't function for a number of months. I'm open to having more children if it's God's will, even though I'm a bit afraid of being sick. I would do it, though. After so long, I've started to feel much fear and sometimes hopelessness about this situation. At the worst times, I worry that I'm condemned. I feel powerless to change the situation, and an ultimatum doesn't really seem like the right thing to do for our marriage. I've realized I basically try to avoid intercourse, but that's not great for our marriage either. Do you have any advice that will help me to carry on in this situation, which doesn't look like it will change anytime soon? Sarah, yes, Sarah, that's just a really great question. Um, so obviously, I'm sure you're praying for your husband and in your situation. Um, I'm I would encourage y'all to even to look together maybe into other formats of natural family planning. Um, and like the, um, I mean, and again, the symptothermal method is awesome. There's also other methods out there. Obviously, the method that we primarily do here at Holy Rosary is the Creighton, um, Creighton method, which all of the above are, are good and they work well. But maybe if your husband was introduced to like something like the Creighton method where he would chart your cycle with you, um, and with a specialist to accompany both of y'all that might help him to, to be able to, to, to see how it really works. Like it really works. Like if you're trying to achieve a pregnancy, um, and you're very fertile, like it's gonna, it's gonna probably happen. And if you're trying to avoid a pregnancy and you're very fertile, then it probably won't happen. You probably will be able to avoid that pregnancy. Um, if you both are on the same page, if you both are working together in this format. So obviously, first of all, pray like you're probably doing right now, um, have more dialogue with your husband, have more communication, ongoing communication with him and invite him to walk with you with a specialist who can accompany both of y'all. I think it's also really cool whenever other people tell their stories. And so if there's any other couples in your parish who are also practicing natural family planning to invite them over for dinner one night and specifically I'm going to invite them to share their struggles with natural family planning, um, but also their success stories and and potentially have the husband speak to your husband um, in that context. Sometimes we have to hear it from someone outside of our spouse in order to get on board um, with things that are ultimately best for us and for our marriages. And yeah, Again, another thing that might be helpful, too, for your husband, as I'm just thinking um, out loud, is to invite him to go on a retreat. Sometimes whenever we have retreat experiences with Jesus, then we get on board with the rules that Jesus gives us through his church. Uh, whenever we have profound encounters with Christ, when we really begin to fall in love with the Lord. Uh, like for me, uh, I began to follow the rules of the church when I got to know Jesus. Before I knew Jesus, I rejected the rules of the church. I rejected the rules because I didn't know him. I didn't even go to Sunday Mass at one time in my life years ago. 
because I thought it was a man-made rule. I didn't realize it was, it was a, a necessary rule for my, for my salvation. And so uh, I definitely began to accept that rule and love to worship God every day, really, but especially on Sundays, once I got to know Jesus in a personal way. And so maybe encourage your husband to attend an Acts retreat. Acts retreats have been bearing a lot of supernatural fruit down here in Louisiana and Texas and some other places where it's at, or attend some other men's retreat maybe, um, so that he can have a an opportunity to have an encounter with Christ. Uh, and then from encountering Christ in a more profound way, not that he doesn't already know Christ, I'm sure he does have a relationship with Jesus already, but to go deeper in his relationship with Jesus, this might be very, very helpful. Um, but again, community is necessary um, to, to walk with other couples who are also practicing NFP and, and couples who can be real. I mean, like one of the beautiful things about NFP is it really helps us to trust in God that if we do conceive a child, it's because God wants that child to be here. It's never just the fruit of a man and a woman. It's the man and woman and God um, who are all playing a part in that child's um, birth and that child's reality, right, existence. And so, yeah, you know, uh, sometimes when we walk with other couples, we could just be real and say, look, it's going to be difficult, but this helps us to trust in the Lord even more and it helps us to pray even more. Uh, and believe even more that if we do conceive, it's because God wanted us to conceive. And if we don't conceive, it's because we didn't need to conceive to become saints. I hope that was helpful. Let me know. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at assistantpress.com, and we can follow up with each other and continue the conversation. Okay, next question comes in. This is the question that might be uh, the need to be parentally advised um, as far as letting your kids hear it. But this question is about oral sex in marriage. Anonymous writes this. Uh, hey, Father Josh, I looked all over the Ascension Press website for anything on this topic. I've read the Song of Solomon, and there are lots of thought-provoking ideas within the scripture. My question is, what are the Catholic teachings on what is appropriate acts of foreplay before having intercourse for a married couple? Thanks in advance. I'm going to go ahead and sip some coffee before I answer this question. In the words of my friend, Father Brad Doyle, let's pour some coffee on that question. Uh, so good. So, yeah. So as far as like the church's teachings with regards to foreplay, there are no like official magisterial teachings with regards to what is appropriate foreplay and what is not appropriate foreplay uh, that leads us to enter into the marital act of the two becoming one flesh. Uh, and so if kissing each other on the mouth is the foreplay that you and your spouse engage in, that arouses you to um, be able to enter into the sexual act um, and potentially experience um, an orgasm together, um, then, like, beautiful, praise God. If kissing each other on the, the neck allows it to happen, beautiful. If kissing each other on other um, parts of the, the body helps you to achieve that, beautiful. If kissing each other on the genitals helps you to be aroused and draws you to enter into the two becoming one flesh, then praise God. Like, that's beautiful. Like, there's nothing inherently dirty about any part of our human body. So, like, there's nothing dirty about your genitalia or your spouse's genitalia. It's a piece part of the human body. It's a necessary part of the human body. It's a good part of the human body. It's good. Our society likes to help us uh, or encourages us to believe that those parts of the body are dirty or nasty or disgusting or, or whatever. And it's like, no, like, those parts of the body are beautiful. And so um, if, if you are kissing that part of the body as a, as a foreplay uh, that leads up to the sexual intercourse, beautiful. But even, like, in sexual intercourse, like, we don't have to be robotic about this. Like, marital sex does not have to be like, okay, first we uh, hug and then we kiss and then we may or may not experience oral sex and then after that we enter into the, the conjugal act of the two becoming one flesh of penetration, um, right? It's like, no, like, it can be, like, 
all over the place, right? You don't want to be a robot. You want to be yourself. And so you want to learn your spouse's body and you want to learn what pleases your spouse. And you want to ask your spouse that question, like what gives you pleasure, um, right? Pleasure's at the end, but like pleasure's a part of it. And so like, what gives you pleasure whenever we're together? What do you like and what don't you like? And some of that might include uh, foreplay and some spouses might not like certain kinds of foreplay. And then, I mean, as long as it ends in, in the marital act having its finality in ultimately like the greatest thing would be um, in mutual climax, but at least climax during penetration, uh, right? Definitely for, for the guy um, happens there. For the woman, it, the climax might happen during the sexual act before the man has his climax. As long as it happens in the context of a marital act, um, then foreplay uh, or whatever you want to call it, the, the kissing, um, the bonding, the snuggling before, during, and after, as long as it's all within the context of the sexual act, it's, it's all good, right? It's good and it's healthy. Um, but I really do want to encourage couples, like, talk about these things. And, and sometimes it can be difficult to talk about these things because it's like, man, like, that's an awkward conversation because it's something so beautiful and personal and intimate. But I think if couples can have regular conversations during the week, like once a week, have a conversation about what's going good in the marriage and what's not going good, what's not going so well, and they can know like, okay, like, I don't like it whenever you don't put the toilet seat up, or I don't like when you put it down, or I don't like it the fact that your hair is in the shower, or that, or that you, whatever it might be. And I do like it whenever you text me, and I do like it whenever you call me, and I do like it whenever you affirm me, and I do like it when you encourage me, and I do like it whenever you, you come home and do the dishes with me. Like when we find out what's not working well and what is working well in like small things, then when it comes to the bigger things, like the gift of sex within the context of the sacrament of marriage, we can also have those conversations. Like, I really don't like it whenever you do this. Like, explore each other's, like, bodies and, and discern, like, I don't like this. I do like this. Please don't do this. Please do that, right? That uh, this doesn't feel good, like, or whatever. You know, like, you have to be able to to have those conversations because that helps the, the couples uh, enter deeper into that beautiful act of, of love with each other. And so, yeah, there is... There, there's nothing wrong with foreplay. But again, even within the context of these aspects of foreplay, we do want to make sure that we're not ever objectifying our spouse either, right? So we really want to make sure that that there is chastity within marriage and chastity within the sexual act as well. Not celibacy, but chastity. Chastity within the sacrament of marriage happening to where you can give and receive this pleasure with each other, but you're not objectifying each other. You're not using each other. You're not making the other person an object. You're loving the other person, which really um, is something that you're going to grow in over time. And you might mess up along the way and get better, but you definitely want to make sure that you're loving the person well, desiring their greatest good. And if your spouse does not like certain things, you cannot pressure them into doing them. You cannot force them into doing them. You cannot make them do them, right? Love never forces. Love never imposes. Love only proposes and invites. And then you discern together, what is the best way that you can love each other well, which is desire each other's greatest good well in the context of the marital act in the sacrament of marriage. I, I hope that that was, was, was helpful as far as kissing the body. So yeah, let me know if that was helpful for you uh, and your question. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And whenever we get back, we're going to dive into our final question. Make sure that you stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. 
Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Just a reminder, my new book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, is available now on Amazon.com and at ascensionpress.com. So please go out and order that book so it can help you to potentially grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your prayer life and the interior life with the Lord in exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. Also, don't forget, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. Please do that if you've not done it yet. That helps other people find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, it can become a gift for them as well. All right, final question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, how do I recover after sexual sin? Hey, Father Josh, I have a question I've been wrestling with for a few weeks now. I recently got engaged, praise God. Uh, We're both Catholic and are active in our church. We both agreed to wait until marriage to have sex, but one evening we went out of town to attend a wedding, and it was our first time sharing a hotel room. We had spent the night in the same bed once before, about six months prior, but that was before I knew it was a sin. And after that, we never shared a bed at night. Anyway, the evening was fine, but then we got carried away and things went too far. I ended up crying the rest of the night, and I felt absolutely horrible. The next morning was thankfully Saturday, and after the wedding, we both talked and wanted to not ever do that again, so we went to confession. It's been a couple of weeks, but I'm so sad about what I did. I feel like I failed and that I don't know who I am or that I can't be genuinely relaxed. It's caused me to question so much about myself and the relationship. If we committed such a grave sin, does this mean that we are not leading each other toward heaven? That will lead each other, that we will lead each other to sin? Should we break off the engagement? Should we just end our relationship? I guess I'm looking more for steps to do after everything. My fiance and I have talked. We stay away from the occasion of sin, not spending the night. I'm mean, not spending too much time privately alone, limiting longer kisses, and we went to confession, but I'm still questioning everything. I don't know what to do. Uh, any help or advice would be great. Please uh, advise. I feel so lost and confused. Thank you. Yeah, this is a great question. And I first want to say, focus on the good. Right? Focus on the good. The good is that after the fact, you made a resolve to, again, not sleep together ever again in the bed until you're married. Right? You made that resolve. You walked with each other to the sacrament of reconciliation, to Jesus Christ forgiving you, like absolving you from your sin. So that is a beautiful, beautiful gift that the two of you gave to each other was God's mercy. You brought each other to his mercy throne and he forgave you. He forgave you. And and God, when he forgives, he forgets. Like he wouldn't remember your sins no more as far as the East is from the West. That is beautiful. If you were to tell me like, look, Father Josh, yeah, we messed up and I went to confession and he didn't go to confession. He didn't see a problem with it. Then I would say that's a red flag. But the fact that the two of you both recognize that, you know what? We made a mistake, we fell, and we're sorry, and we repented, and we are reforming reforming our, our hearts by the grace of God. Like, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. One thing that is just a reality for many couples who are engaged, who before engagement, they found purity to be sometimes easy, but once they got engaged, many of them, they began to struggle then. Like, that's where their struggles began. So, like, look, you just have to be practical, like you're already doing. Make up rules, put up boundaries to protect your love for and with each other. 
I think if if you love this person and you desire this person's greatest good and this person loves you, then you've got to forgive each other. You've got to forgive yourselves because God has already forgiven you. I read something in prayer the other day that I want to read to you. Um, it's from a book that I've been praying with, and it's a meditation, a reflection from Jesus speaking to a priest. But I'm going to read it to you, and I want to invite you to... Um, to reflect on these words that are allegedly from Jesus to a priest that I'm going to share with you now. Here's what Jesus allegedly said to a monk, a priest. Your whole life has been a preparation for this present moment. All that you've experienced, all that you've suffered, all that you've learned, all that you've done or left undone, even all of your sins, constitute a preparation for this present moment. There is nothing in your life that I have not willed or permitted in order to bring you to this moment. As often as you go to the altar to offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass, you bring with you all that you are in that moment and all that you have been and said and done until that moment. Every moment of your life is a preparation for the holy sacrifice of the Mass, just as every moment of my life was a preparation for and a slow ascent to the sacrifice of the cross. Understand this. And you will see that nothing in your life is foreign to my plan for you. Everything, everything you have done, every place you have ever been, every person with whom you have, ev- you have been or are connected is part of my design for your life. All of your life moves toward the altar, just as all of my life moves toward the cross. Even the things you suffered are part of my preparation, part of the things by which I fit you to stand in my place. When you bring to your mass, all that you've experienced, your whole life story, you allow me to redeem those things that are most dark, bitter, and painful by taking them into the mystery of my sacrifice. Come to the altar with your sins, even with those of which you are most ashamed, and I shall show you that I have already taken them upon myself and expiated them in my blood. Come to the altar with every trouble and broken relationship of your past, with every betrayal, every failure, every sacrilege, and I shall cast all these things into the ocean of my mercy, never again to be recovered or named or used by the accuser against you. Live for the next holy mass, for the next holy mass. Never doubt that every moment of your life is and has been and always will be a preparation for the next holy mass. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. Praise God. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm just, whoa, that was powerful. Just reading that again. It was so powerful for me. So I hope it was powerful for you. So yeah. uh, Yeah. God loves you. God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And are you imperfect? Yes. But is God still calling you to perfection? Yes. Just because we mess up with people does not mean that, that, I mean, because I mean, the reality is this, even in marriage, like after you get married, there's gonna be times where you and your husband may fall in other ways as well. And and you're not going to want to walk away from each other. You're going to want to say, look, like, I really do believe that I can help you and you can help me. And the fact that you guys went to confession together after shows me that you both really do care um, and you're both trying. And so, yeah, I would just encourage you, put up boundaries. Put up some boundaries and, uh, and don't, don't beat yourself up. You know, don't beat yourself up. Just immerse yourself in God's mercy and continue to hold each other accountable and have compassion on other people who also struggle with chastity um, and celibacy um, outside the context of marriage. Sometimes whenever we fall, it can help us to grow in the virtue of humility. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I know whenever I've fallen in many different ways in my life, in my walk toward eternity, it's helped me to be so much more compassionate and understanding of other people and their struggles. So uh, potentially this might help you to be 
better able to accompany other people and more compassionate and willing to walk with them and help them to to see how the two of you have been able to put up boundaries that have since helped you to not fall in that way again. So that's my advice for you. Again, you are loved, you're wanted, you're chosen. God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he delights in you. He delights in you, he delights in you. He loves you and he's pleased with you. So yeah, but you discern, you discern, you're free to discern, you're free. You're not forced to get married, but you're free to discern to stay, to go, whatever you think will help you and him become saints. All right, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we love you and we need you and we need your grace. Give us your grace to not only survive, but to thrive in our walk toward eternity. Help us to receive your love so that we can share your love with each other. May we love each other with freedom. May we give all of ourselves to your church for the church's sanctification, transformation, and so that we can all glorify you in thought, word, and deed. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Mary, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, guard us. Okay, I'm going to see y'all next week. Stay tuned. And uh, don't forget to send me your questions with some Lenten-themed topics so we can tackle that uh, by Ash Wednesday. God bless. 